Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome to Spiritual Queen's Badass Podcast. My name is Emma Mumford and I'm your host. I'm an award-winning blogger, YouTuber, life coach, badass entrepreneur, manifester and author. My mission is to awaken and to inspire women to live their best lives now and to find their purpose in life. I do this through sharing the power of law of attraction and spirituality. I hope my podcast will inspire you to raise your game and to start living your best life today. Without further ado, let's get started with this week's episode. So thank you so much guys for joining me for another one of my Spiritual Queen's Badass Podcast episodes. Today I have the lovely David Hamilton here who is going to speak to you all about kindness. So David Hamilton, if you don't know, is a former scientist who worked in the pharmaceutical industry. He is now an author of 10 books, including The Little Book of Kindness, How Your Mind Can Heal Your Body, and I Heart Me, The Science of Self-Esteem. So thank you so much, David, for coming on today. It's my absolute pleasure, Emma. Thanks for inviting me, actually. I'm so well, excited. I'm really excited to have a scientist on. You're my first Ooh. scientist. <laughs> Is that right? Oh, I feel, I feel, I feel privileged. <laughs> That's great. So the first question for you today is, when did you spiritually awaken? What's your story? Oh, uh, to be honest, I, I, I think the first time I maybe I consciously became aware of maybe spirituality. I must have been about 12 years old and I, I, I found myself standing at my mum and dad's back door on the top step and I was looking up to the clouds in the sky and I was apologising to God. <laughs> and the reason for that is I'd started to have some thoughts that everything is connected to everything else and everything's part of everything else and everything maybe in, in some sense is just a part of me. And, and I went to a Catholic school and we weren't taught that. We were taught more of the kind of the punishment from God type thing. And so I had this kind of tug of war inside of me. Part of me really felt intuitively that what I was figuring out was, was true. But the school was telling me something differently and the church that I went to on a Sunday was telling me something differently. And I would, so I found myself, you know, apologizing to God and I was saying something, oh, I'm, re I'm really sorry, God, but I, you know, I'm only a kid. So, so please forgive me for having these thoughts, but it just feels like what I'm saying is right. I'm so, so, I'm so sorry, God. <laughs> and I was supplement, supplicating and, and apologizing. I, and, and I think that never really left me. So as I was going through my teenage and my adult years, I, I think that kind of view of the world always informed 
what I did, even as a scientist, you know, I was building drugs for cardiovascular disease and cancer. And, and that, I suppose, influenced why I became so interested in the power of the mind. So while my co colleagues were making drugs, sorry, were, were, you know, interested and fascinated by the number of people improving on drug trials, I was more interested in the number of people who improved on placebos. So I, you could say that was like a kind of secondary awakening where I decided to leave my job and like almost like you take an awakening and you put it into practice, so to speak, if that makes sense. Definitely. And it must have been quite hard to be a scientist and kind of have those thoughts and beliefs because, you know, from my perspective, I would think it would be quite hard because obviously science is very factual, very evidence based. And obviously spirituality is more of a, it's a belief, isn't it? So how did you find the two? Yeah, I, I, I funnily enough, it didn't seem to be too much of a discord to me because it kind of made sense. You know, the spiritual side of things felt more true to me than the signs because I think it's about a feeling, isn't it? You know, it's a belief and beliefs can feel more true, I suppose, that, than evidence at, at times. But what I, what I started doing is I started looking through clinical data. You know, we had a lot from our company, from medical trials, but I started looking in the library, we, you know, pharmaceutical company libraries have a pretty exhaustive, you know, a amount of information on how things work and data and stuff like that. And I started to realize there was a lot of published data already on belief and how belief causes physical change in the brain and how even faith in God or, or faith in spirit or faith in something, how belief, how prayer, for example, it could have an effect on people's healing rates. And I thought, my God, I'm finding this stuff. It was amazing. So for me, I, I think that's when I started to walk what I call the middle ground between having a strong sense of belief in spirituality, but at the same time, being able to gather hard science. And so what I've done ever since in all of my books is I've tread that middle ground where I'm very comfortable with the spirituality, but I've been able to find enough science to back it up. So even if people skeptical, you know, say something, I usually have the science to counter because most, a lot of the science I talk about, all of the science I talk about has been published and peer reviewed in science. So I, I think for me, what, what's been very important is me finding the science that backs up the spirituality, if, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So what led you to actually become a scientist then and then kind of follow on to become an author? Yeah, well, I, I just really loved how things work. You know, even now as a, as a writer and, and a speaker, I, I, I'm driven by this need to understand how things work, whereas now it's more about understanding how how, how the mind and consciousness affect the body and how your mind and consciousness affect your reality. Uh, but back then, and even actually how, you know, science works in general, like physics and maths, I have an active interest in all these kind of subjects. But it, when I first started really exploring science during my university days, I found it fascinating just working at how things worked. Because I, I did what you call organic chemistry, which is understanding how atoms work, you know, and how one atom might stick to another atom. So you need to really understand very deeply science. And I thought it was amazing and very artistic. And, and, and so I think underlying that was, for me, was the excitement of understanding how something worked and then explaining it to someone else. So I, I think all that's actually changed in what I do now is the stuff that I'm, I'm seeking to understand has moved from just 
been about how atoms interact with each other to, I guess, how consciousness interacts with things, so to speak. Definitely. So once you'd kind of left your job as a scientist and taken that leap as such, did you know you wanted to be an author or was it something you discovered later on? No, I, I did really, you know, for years, uh, even before I, I, I entered the pharmaceutical industry, I remember going suffering from depression, believe it or not, in the middle of my PhD. So I'd, I'd done four years honours degree and I was one and a half years into a three-year PhD and I had this kind of crisis where I knew in my heart that I didn't want to, I didn't want to go down the path I was going down uh, as a, you know, proper, you know, a, a, as a professional scientist, you know, I, I was really being steered towards academia. My professor wanted me to become a chemistry professor, you know, and I was being steered in that way. And I felt also pulled to go into the pharmaceutical industry. But deep in my heart, I felt that my, my spirituality that had started when I was about 12 was really coming to the surface. And it was creating such a polarity in me that professionally, I felt I should be a scientist. But I really just wanted to go meditate and I really <laughs> wanted to go and understand and explore the nature of reality and how the mind shapes stuff. And so I went through a wee period of depression, which was really feeling like I was stuck going down the wrong path. And I think I had a little bit of a breakthrough realizing that it would be useful for me to, to if I was to complete the science, the PhD, and even go into professional science. Uh, and then I could take that qualifications and experience and bring it into what I knew in my heart I was supposed to do, which was write, write books and educate people. So it was almost like a little breakthrough for me was knowing in my heart that I am supposed to be a writer and an educator, but maybe just not then. And it was almost like a deep sense, a deep intuition that I absolutely knew this was my path. I was to be a writer and a speaker but just not at that particular time when I was, you know, maybe in my early 20s. I just knew that I had to keep going in the science, in the professional science a little bit longer. Cool. Well, that's an interesting yeah. story for sure. So yeah. your latest book is Kindness. So what are the effects of kindness? Oh, fascinating. Right. right. So, so my, my precursor book to the little book of kindness was uh, the five side effects of kindness. So that hints at the fact that there, there are five side effects of kindness. And I call them side effects almost to make, to make light of the fact that I used to build pharmaceutical drugs for heart disease and cancer. Uh, and so when we talk about side effects, it's usually the negative, but all of the side effects of kindness are positive. So for example, side effect number one is being kind is good for mental health. And so it actually boosts your happiness. And it, some research suggests it's an antidote in the long term to mild to moderate depression. So that's side effect number one. Side effect number two is kindness is actually very good for your heart. And it works in the opposite way from the way that stress puts pressure on your cardiovascular system. So you know how when you feel stressed, it's the feelings of stress, not the situation itself, but how you feel about a situation, those feelings that you get of stress that produce stress hormones in the brain and body. And it's those stress hormones and other physical effects that bring about the well-known harmful effects of stress in the body. But when you be kind, that produces a nice warm feeling. Now that warm feeling of, of connection and affection perhaps even, or even love it could be, 
that generates a little hormone called oxytocin, which is well known for its role in reproduction and breastfeeding. But oxytocin is also a very important cardiovascular hormone, or should I say a cardioprotective hormone? Because what it does is it, it, it dilates the arteries and it reduces blood pressure. And at the same time, it cleans out the free radicals from the arteries, both you know, which can lead to heart disease uh, long term. So ultimately being kind because of how it makes you feel generates this little hormone that reduces blood pressure and cleans the arteries. Which is- this is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. It's absolutely amazing. So that's, that's why the second side effect is kindness is good for your heart because of how it makes you feel and then the physical effect of those feelings through that little hormone being produced. The third one is kindness slows aging and it does it in a number of different ways. One, that it's the opposite effect of stress, but secondly, it actually exerts an effect on the nervous system, an anti-inflammatory effect. Now, inflammation is called by some scientists inflammaging, you know, as in, inflammation is one of the major aging processes inside the body. You know, we know what inflammation as you cut yourself gets inflamed. That's inflammation when you're healing from a wound. But most inflammation occurs on the inside of the body. And it's often a side effect of stress or a side effect of unhealthy lifestyle. But kindness and compassion exert a very specific anti-inflammatory effect on the nervous system. So there's a portion of the nervous system called the vagus nerve, and it controls something called the inflammatory reflex, which is how the, how the nervous system literally controls and keeps at bay inflammation around the body. And so research shows that as we build consistent feelings of kindness and compassion, we generate this actual anti-inflammatory effect through this thing called the inflammatory reflex. So since inflammation stroke inflammaging, 
is a major process of aging. You can quite truthfully say that kindness and compassion uh, counter some of the aging process, meaning they slow it down uh, in some respects. So that's outside of the fact that stress speeds up aging, so kindness has an opposite effect. So over and above it, kindness has an anti-inflammatory effect, which in itself it slows some of the aging process. So that's the third. The fourth one is a bit of a no-brainer. Kindness improves relationships. And I think that's very obvious in the sense that you tend to like people who are kind to you. <laughs> so I think that's a no-brainer. And number five is, a side, is more of a social side effect, is that kindness is contagious. And it means that it's like a ripple effect. If you drop a pebble in a pond, that pebble generates little waves that lift a lily pad on the other side of the pond. The lily pad is being lifted by the wave, which is created by the pebble dropped in the pond. So research on kindness shows that it does exactly the same as that. Research at Harvard uh, found that uh, if you do an act of kindness, it impacts other people. It makes them, the recipient of the kindness, more likely to be kind to more people, not just one person, but actually to several people. In fact, some of the research found that if you're kind to one person, that person will probably be kind or kinder to four or five people that day, simply because of how you made them feel. But each of those four or five will be kind or kinder to a further four or five, and each of those four or five will be kind or kinder to four or five. So think about five times five times five as it's 125. So in other words, when you be kind to someone, you might well be affecting or improving the day of 125 people further down the line. So that's the kind, that's the, the ripple effect in action. So that's why I say kindness is contagious. So those are the five side effects of, of kindness. Well, they're, they're absolutely brilliant. And I know a lot yeah. of people who will be thrilled at the anti-aging one for sure. Yeah. Well, actually, can, can, I, can I add something to the anti-aging one? Yeah, there's, go ahead. There's a, so there's a few different processes of aging. One on the skin is called oxidative stress. And now oxidative stress, it, another name for it is oxidation. So if you leave an apple on a table, then you might notice that an apple will wrinkle after a few weeks. That's oxidation or oxidative stress. It's exactly the same process that ages our skin. Fortunately, it happens a lot more slowly in our skin because we have natural antioxidants. And an antioxidant is really just antioxidation. So these natural antioxidants in the body, in the skin, keep that oxidation at bay, which is why we don't wrinkle quite as fast as an apple left on a table. Uh, now, research looking at aging of skin, of, of, of oxidative stress in the skin, found that if you get plenty of the kindness hormone into the skin, now remember what the kindness hormone in, it's oxy, is, sorry, it's oxytocin. Scientists found if you have lots of oxytocin, the kindness hormone in the skin, then the, the, the rate of oxidative stress, i.e. aging, i.e. wrinkling, i.e oxidation is dramatically slowed. So in other words, put the kindness hormone into your skin and it really slows aging of the skin. Now you cannot eat nor drink the kindness hormone. You cannot get it into your body any way other than to create it internally. And the only way to create it internally is through how you feel. In other words, when you do something genuinely kind for someone and because of how that makes you feel, you produce the kindness hormone and it gets into your skin and literally slows aging of the skin. And you can see it's a no-brainer, really, because 
What happens to your skin if you have a prolonged period of stress? It's quite obvious. We, skin ages faster when someone's really stressed out over a, chronically over a long period of time. So what we're seeing here is an equal and opposite effect and the being kind actually smooths the skin. But now we have real scientific biological evidence for that. So that's, I think that's the coolest part of how kindness slows aging. It's actually, vis actually visible. Definitely. And it's free, which is even yeah. better. So exactly. how, can we, how can we invite more kindness into our life then? Right, so I, I, freak, I like to challenge people to do what I call a kind, the seven-day kindness challenge. And if you're really up for it, you can try the 21-day kindness challenge. And there's a couple of ground rules. You have to do something different every day. So if, for example, you make someone a cup of tea on a Monday and you say, that's my act of kindness for the day, you can make a cup of tea for someone on a Tuesday, but it doesn't count as one of your seven because you've already done it. So you've got to do something different. So in a sense, you're going to do seven different acts of kindness over seven days. Uh, the second little thing is you have to push yourself out your comfort zone at least once. In other words, try to do something that stretches you a little bit. And then the third condition is one of your acts of kindness in the week has to be completely anonymous. So that takes the ego out of it. No one must ever know that you did something kind, nor what it was. Or if, some, if people are talking about, whoa, that's an amazing thing such and such a person did. If it was you, you're not allowed to tell them it was you. So no one must ever know what you did or that such and such a thing it was you. So by doing that little seven-day kindness challenge, it just kind of, it, it flexes that kindness muscle and it also immerses us in looking for acts of kindness, but also in the feelings that you get from doing it. And it, and it helps to generate a habit of, of kindness in us. Brilliant. And yeah. well, definitely if you guys are going to do the seven day or 21 day challenge, definitely tag David or I and let us know how you get on. It'll Please be really do. interesting to see what acts of kindness you do and what impact it makes on your life. So last question, David, what is one piece of life advice that you would give my listeners? Life advice. Well, in, in the same vein that I've been talking of so, so far, I would say that whatever you do in life, do it with kindness. Just be a nice person as you go about doing the things that you do. So whatever your goals are, your hopes, your dreams, what you do for a living, whatever it is, just try to do it and be a good person in the process. So whatever, so don't have to be different, don't have to go out your way to be doing kindness on purpose out with the seven day kindness challenge, of course. Just whatever you're doing, just do it with a little bit of kindness. Brilliant. And that's so important because the more you kind of put that kindness out there, you're going to attract even more kindness to yourself. And, you know, like mm. you said, it's a ripple effect. So it's going to yeah. benefit the person as well. Exactly. Absolutely. Perfect. Mm. So where can my lovely followers find you online, David? Right. Well, on social media, on Instagram and Facebook, I am David R. Hamilton, PhD. And my website is drdavidhamilton.com. Perfect. And mm. what is what's coming up for you? What would you like to tell everybody? Have you got any new books out or any new projects? Uh, I, I've actually, I've got some online courses on my website. I've got a kindness one that's free, actually. And it's a four-week course. And it's just, I teach all about all the different ways that kindness benefits us scientifically and I give us little exercises including meditations to do so that's on the website on the courses tab and it's free 
Uh, secondly, I'm launching a, a kind of membership site uh, in June, uh, which will be like almost like a kind of Netflix uh, for authors. Uh, some of the the way that authors some author colleagues of mine are going, we're almost creating our own little mini Netflix, but it's all of our own teachings and trainings. And so I'd be populating that every month with brand new content, new training videos, new science of how things work in terms of the mind-body connection, self-esteem, kindness, but how we can put it into practice in our lives. And I'll basically be adding new videos, if you like, every single month. So it'll be like almost a, wee, um, a Netflix version of me, if you like. And that, that'll be <laughs> launching uh, probably early June. Uh, this year brilliant well i will also link david's website down below for you guys so you've got a clickable link but thank you so much david for coming on it's been an absolute pleasure and i feel like i've learned a whole ton of information <laughs> uh, well thanks emma it's been th you know I, I want to say thanks for inviting me on actually it's been a real pleasure uh, and it's been really nice having the, this little chat i love talking about this subject but but definitely thanks for giving me the chance to to share this this information with your with the listeners so thanks very much thank you so much guys for listening to another one of my podcast episodes i hope you've enjoyed the conversation between david and i today and as always you can find david's website below and all the information about my own website life coaching and every platform that you can find me on in the description box down below thank you so much guys for listening and don't forget you can join my free law of attraction group which is over on facebook where you can join myself and other like-minded souls where we talk about all things positivity and law of attraction i hope you have a fantastic week whatever you are up to don't forget to subscribe if you're new here because would love love to see you again soon and i will see you in my next podcast episode which will be next week lots of love guys ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.